0: We don't need pulpits. We have music stands, right? Amen. Alrighty. Okay. If you want to open your Bibles to Exodus 17, Exodus chapter 17, put something there because we're going to be flipping around a lot. I got a lot of verses and I think I have a lot of time, hopefully. And uh, we keep something in Exodus 17. We're going to be going back there a lot. I'll do the same. Exodus chapter 17. <clears throat> Exodus 17. Alrighty. So, my wife gave me paper towels because it's hot up here and I sweat. <laughs> so you'll excuse me and forgive me for that. All right. Um, question. Who here wants all that God has for them. Amen. 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 I want what God has for me. I don't want my life at the judgment seat of Christ to burn up in flames and have nothing left of it because life is precious, life is short, and you only get one shot at it, right? And you guys and me have been given an extra blessing. Yes, you, the young ones, because we've been given the word of God from the time we were youths. And we don't have the same excuses that some of our parents and our adults have. And what I want to get across to you today is if you want what God has for you, you have to fight for it. Amen. And the fight for the promised land, right, was for an inheritance, right? That's what they were fighting for. They were fighting for an inheritance. And you're going to be fighting for an inheritance. The leader that led the children of Israel for the promised land, who was it? I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint me right now (laughs) Joshua right if we follow some of the things that Joshua did we're only going to look at the first time he shows up in the Bible maybe we can get some inkling of how we can get some victory in our lives amen Amen. so that we can go into the promised land and conquer and get some inheritance that way way when we get to the judgment seat of Christ it's not all you know what what is it stubble and uh, you know whatever that burns up it'll be some gold some silver and some precious stones So let's read Exodus 17. We're going to read the whole chapter, and then we'll pray. Exodus 17, verse 1, because it's important that we read the whole thing. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. Now, remember that. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before, the, before thee there upon the rock in Horeb and thou shalt smite the rock and there shall come water out of it and that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel. I'm thirsty myself. And because they tend to the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Watch verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, that's the first time he shows up in your King James Bible, said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out. Fight with Amalek, "'Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill "'with the rod of God in mine hand.' "'So Joshua did as Moses had said to him "'and fought with Amalek, and Moses and Aaron and Hur "'went up to the top of the hill. "'And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, "'that Israel prevailed. "'And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. "'But Moses' hands were heavy, "'and they took a stone and put it under him, "'and he sat thereon. "'And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, "'the one on the one side and the other on the other side, "'and his hands were steady "'until the going down of the sun.' And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Before we pray, before you get to the promised land... Before you start fighting the giants and trying to get your inheritance, there's an enemy that's going to come up against you, and it's going to be an enemy that you're going to constantly fight up against. It's the first enemy that the children of Israel fought as soon as they came out of the Red Sea in the wilderness, and that's Amalek. And that's what we're going to talk about today, fighting Amalek. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word, Father God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Father God. The the blessings already, Father God. The fellowship, sweet, Father God. As it was said, Father God, what a paradise that we have in this little... This little camp, Father God, this little congregation that you provided, Lord. And Lord, we're just trying to seek your face, Father God. We're just trying to get a drink from your book this morning. And I just pray, Father God, you know I'm not sufficient for these things. So I ask you, Father God, to just move me out of the way and let your word speak for itself, Father God. And may you uh, encourage, Father God, strengthen, Lord, and grab a hold of some of these young people's heart, Father God, that they might just be able to fight for you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Now, before we get to verse 8. We have the first seven verses to get to, right? Before you fight with Amalek, you gotta realize one thing. Are you thirsty yet? Amen. It wasn't a coincidence. When we started reading Psalm 63, I purposed in my heart not to read Psalm 63 because I knew it was going to be what we were going to read until I was done with this message because I wanted to see God's connections. Because you know what the Holy Spirit wants to do? He wants to show you the connections. He wants to show you that this thing called church is real. That the that even even, you know the whole the the uh, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. That it wasn't just by accident that God chose us to read Psalm 63. And the first thing that He wants you to know is: Are you thirsty for God? God. Are you thirsty for God? Because you can't fight without that thirst. Uh, for, uh, are you thirsty yet? Has the emptiness of the wilderness of this world made you thirsty for something more? For something long-lasting? For something real? I tell you that your life, your fight doesn't start until you get a drink from the rock. Uh, let's turn to, uh, keep something there. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 20. Now I know doctrinally the children of Israel were saved by the blood of the Lamb, but follow with me here. Follow with me here, because all these things are a picture for us. Genesis chapter, did I say 20? I meant chapter 1. (laughs) Genesis chapter 1, verse number 20. That water from a rock, amen? That water from a rock. Here's the first time life appears in your Bible. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth with the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. say, why are we going here? Because you got to know, when you see something pop up in your Bible for the first time, God is setting a precedent. You don't get life without water. You need water to have life. Scientists know that. That's why they're out there in space trying to find water because you know what? What we have on this planet, liquid water. You can't have life. You can't go three plus days without having liquid, pure H2O in your body. You need water. You need water to have life and God wants you to understand that. I wonder, it says that the water is brought forth abundantly those things that have life. I wonder, that's why maybe Jesus started telling people, I want you to become fishes of men because we got to go in the water to get the life. So, Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You got to see that water gives you life. Water gives you life. Water gives you life. And I'm going to show you. You read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The Bible's an amazing book. Everything's in order the way it should be. Uh, You notice there in verse 6 of Exodus, you don't have to turn back there, but I want to read it to you. Behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock, the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock. You know every word of God is pure, right? It's the rock. It's not, it wasn't just a rock, it was the rock. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number one. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, don't be ignorant of this, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. You know what's amazing about these verses? They're right in the order of the chapters of Exodus. Isn't that an amazing thing? That's Exodus chapter 14. And all were baptized in the, uh, unto Moses in the cloud and the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat. That's Exodus chapter sixteen, verse number four, and did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock, capital R, that was followed them, and that rock was Christ. You have to realize that the rock in the wilderness was was, a picture. It was Jesus Christ following them, giving them the water so they could live, because they were in a wilderness and they had no water. They were going to die of thirst. You know, if you don't have the water of God from God's rock, you're going to die. Amen. You don't have life without water. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, first, uh, turn with me to Isaiah. Uh, no, not to Isaiah, to John chapter 19. You know, Moses had to smite that rock, right? That rock had to be popped with that rod. You know, Jesus Christ was smitten for you. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, he was afflicted, smitten of God and afflicted. And, and we esteemed him not, you know. Jesus Christ was smitten, you know, they, they beat him. I, I, I don't know if you really, like, read the Gospels and really realize that it's a real person that went through that, that he was amen, beaten. Amen, that, they, that the king of glory, the one that hung the stars also, got smacked upon the face and said, you know, they said, uh, prophesy that unto us, you know, who smote us? they trying to say, like, oh, if you're really God, you know, uh, who, who's hitting you right now? And, you know plucked out his beard, and, you know, all that for you. I mean, like, for every time that your lips, you know, uttered something wrong, that he got smacked in the face for it. What an amazing God. John chapter 19, look at verse 28 with me. John chapter 19, verse 28. Here's Jesus Christ on the cross for you. And I want you to realize that, that Pat wasn't just saying that because he's trying to say that. It was for you. It was for me. you got to make that personal. you got to make that, under, you got to get that through, through your thick head. It was for you. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Wow. Amen. Because he was in your place right. as a sinner going to hell. Right. And you know, where, you know what's in hell? No water. Right. You know, the rich man, you, you, get, you get a lot of, you, you got some things of heaven in the Bible. You get a lot about hell. And you got a beautiful picture in the book of Luke of that man in hell. And immediately, I mean, it wasn't even a couple seconds after being in torments, he says, I need water, I need water, I need water. He's still down there right now saying, I need water, I need water, I need water. And Jesus Christ on the cross, you know, he went to hell after that cross for you. And he's saying, I thirst, I thirst. The blessed And you know what they gave him instead? Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a the sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. They gave him vinegar. Have you ever drank vinegar? I played a prank on my friend once, God forgive me. He came to my house looking for water. God rest his soul, he's dead now. I really regret that because what a fool I was. He asked for water and I gave him vinegar as a joke. And his throat closed up. And I was laughing about it, you know, and I gave him water afterwards and we joke about it. We used to joke about it before he passed away. But you know what? Vinegar would dry you up because that vinegar is what the end of, of, of wine is. I don't know if you know that. Wine, if you let it last long enough, because vinegar, because that's death. That's what he was taking. He was taking your death. He was taking my death. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, because they tried to give him vinegar with gall, they tried to to give him vinegar with gall. Gall was something to numb the pain, and he didn't receive that. But when they gave him plain vinegar, when he received the death that you deserved and that I deserved, he took that. And what did he say? And he said, "It is finished." is finished. The law is finished. You don't need to go by righteousness by the law anymore. Christ is now the end of the law for righteousness sake. And he bowed his head, and watch it now, and gave up the ghost. And gave up the ghost. Now keep reading with me. Remember that. He gave up the ghost. The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and then they might be taken away. Jesus Christ died right on time. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. Water came out. You realize that, right? Water came out of Jesus Christ. Who was the rock? Jesus Christ. What came out of him? Water. Life. Came out of Jesus Christ. Now this is a picture for you. That's a picture. You know why, why God did that to you? Look at that next verse. And he that saw it bear record. And his record is true. And he knoweth that he sayeth true that ye might believe. John was there. All the disciples fled. But you know what? There had to be somebody there to witness this and to write this down. Because God wanted you to know that blood and water came out of that, 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 that Savior. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. He asked, why is that? Why is that? Why do you got to know that, blood, that water came out? I don't understand. I got to drink from that water, right? I got to drink his water? I got to drink the water from his body? No, no, no. No, no, no. First John chapter 5, verse number 6. If so you get there, say amen. 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 This is he that came by water and blood. Even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness. Because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven. God's keeping an account. <laughs> the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. There's your Holy Spirit, your, your Son, and, and God the Father. There's your Trinity right there. But watch this now. And there are three that bear witness in the earth the Spirit. And the water and the blood and these three agree in one. You know why God let water and blood come out of Jesus Christ? Because he wanted you to know that's the rock you need to get your water from. That's the rock that was smitten. That's the son of God. That's your everlasting life right there. And he put it as a witness for you. Because if you believe God's witness... You believe in God. And you know what happens when you don't accept that witness? You're calling God a liar. It says it right there in the next couple of verses. I'm not going to read it. You're calling God a liar when you don't believe his witness of what he's saying about his son. He's saying, I did all this for you. Just accept it. Believe me. Humble your pride and believe what I said about my son. You know what? You don't get to fight Amalek until you receive that water. Now, that wasn't just water that you had to drink physically. Look, I'm drinking this water right now. It's amazing. It's not Paul and Spring, but amen. My wife likes Paul and Spring. But you know what? You don't want. To, it's not about drinking the, wa, the, the, uh, the water physically. All those physical things in the Old Testament were pictures of spiritual truths for you. What did he give up? What else came out of Jesus Christ when he was crucified? We read it. The blood, the blood but what else? He says he gave up the ghost. Right? He gave up the ghost. Turn with me. Turn with me to. Turn with me to John chapter ten. You know, in the Gospels, Jesus. Uh, God doesn't always record the same thing in every gospel. But when he records something four times in every gospel, he's trying to get your attention with this. Turn with me to John chapter 10, and I'm going to read the other times to you. The other accounts of the cross, just so you understand this. John chapter 10. Uh, so we read in John, chapter, uh, in John chapter 19 how he yielded up the ghost, right? It says in Matthew 27, 50, don't turn there. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, Mark 15, 37, and Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. Luke 23, 46, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. You realize that Jesus Christ did it willingly, right? No one forced his hand. No one forced his hand to come down for ruined sinners. God could have wiped the whole slate clean from Adam and started over again. He had the right to do so but he decided I'm going to redeem mankind from the hand of the enemy. And you're sitting here because he let time play out the way it had to so that you and I could be born so that we could know him. What an amazing God because he wants to redeem you. What does it say in John chapter 10 verse 11? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. What does it say in verse 17? Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received in my Father. Jesus Christ wanted you to know four times in the Gospels, I yielded up the ghost. I gave up the ghost, because he wanted you to know nobody took that from him. He gave it up himself. You know, he was only on the cross. I'm saying only. He was on the cross for six hours. Pilate was a little surprised that he had died. You know why? Because he had power to give it up. He, get, he had the power to live forever because he had no sin because the wages of sin is death. And Jesus Christ had no sin. That's why when he was born, that's why after three days and three nights, he was able to come up from the grave. And that's why you had the spirit of holiness as a witness because that's the resurrection. That's God's receipt. He had no sin on him. He was the spotless lamb of God. You say that's what, that, that, why are you getting so excited because he was beaten and he had no evil thoughts. He was, he, can you imagine that someone smacks you in the face and you say, I love you. Come on. That's the God that loved you and died for you. That's the God that, you know, while on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What an amazing love that God has for you and me. Don't get over that. Don't get over that. Don't let me get over that, God. He wants you to know that that's what he, so he gave up the ghost. He he, he laid it down willingly. Turn with me in John chapter four. What was that thing that he said right beforehand? He said, I thirst, man. What a thing. I thirst. I thirst. John chapter four. He says in John chapter 16 that, you know, I know you're going to be sorrowful, but I got to go so that the comforter can come to you. Right. Amen. John chapter four, verse number seven. Come with me there. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said, uh, saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is, because he's a gift, that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? You know, she was getting confused about the physical and the spiritual. Jesus Christ is trying to relate to her just like he's trying to relate to you right now. Get an idea of it, you gotta have living water. The water that they drank from that rock, you need something spiritual. What did we read in Corinthians? They drank from that spiritual rock, that spiritual drink. Come on now. Jesus answered and saith unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again like I am. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You know why Jesus Christ died on the cross and like all that blood and that water came out and he yielded up the ghost? Because he needed to give you his Holy Spirit. He needed to give me his Holy Spirit because our spirit was dead. And what happens? You need water to have life. That Holy Spirit is a picture of water. You need His Holy Spirit to have life. So He had to yield up His life so that you could have eternal life. Isn't that an amazing thing that God would do that for you and me? What a God. What a God. The God of life tasted death for every man. Uh, turn with me to uh, Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. You say, What do I got to do? What do I got to do? I understand, I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to understand that I need water. I need this water. What do I got to do? God doesn't even end. He ends his Bible telling you what to do. Revelation, Revelation 22, verse 17. Verse 17. This is what the Spirit of God wants from you right now. And the Spirit and the bride, that's us, that's the church, say, come. Come to him. Come to Jesus. Stop fighting it. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And let him that heareth it say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, anybody, let him take the water of life freely. 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 Don't get over that. Because it wasn't free for God. God had to give his son so that you could have the water of life freely. Don't neglect it or you'll end up in the lake of fire wishing you took it. For all of eternity. Saying, I thirst. I thirst. I thirst, I thirst, I thirst. When you could have take the water of life right now, while on earth, Jesus Christ said, "I have power on earth to forgive sins." Once you're dead, you're dead. You have no other bearing to get Jesus Christ in you. You have to get him now. Amen. Now is the day of salvation. The Bible says, "Get him now. Take that water of life freely." Turn the back to Exodus 17. Exodus 17. Exodus 17. Exodus 17. You say, wow, that was a lot of introduction, really, to get to the point of fighting Amalek. Well, you'll see why in a little bit. There's a reason why God put it all in the same chapter. It's all connected. You don't have the spirit, you don't have that water, you can't fight Amalek. You know why? Because you're still dead (laughs) and a dead man can't fight. You need to be alive. The Bible says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. I was dead in my sins. You know what God did? His Holy Spirit came in when you received Jesus Christ and he makes you alive. He gives you that water of life freely and you can live now. You don't have to be thirsty anymore. You have the water of life freely. Exodus 17 verse 8. You know what happens though? As soon as you take that water, as soon as you drink that water, You're going to be in a fight. (laughs) Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. You know what? Amalek came up to them. They were the first enemy that came up against the children of Israel in the wilderness. And you know what it says in the verse 16? For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. It was going to be an enemy that they were going to fight forever and ever and ever until they went home to glory. You know what's going to be an enemy that you're going to fight? It's the first thing that you're going to fight before you fight the giants, before you fight anything else. Amalek, your flesh. Your flesh is, you know, you have three enemies, right? The world, the devil. Okay, great. You know who your biggest enemy is going to be? Right here. Look in the mirror. It's you. You're your biggest enemy because your flesh will betray you. Your flesh has sin in it. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. So, before I get ahead of myself, the first enemy you're going to face along the way to the promised land is the one that you're going to keep fighting your flesh. Turn with me. Keep something there, right? Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. I want you to see this. The great... So, quote-unquote, I don't think Paul would like us to call him the greatest Christian that ever lived, but, you know, people call him that. But quote-unquote, the greatest Christian that ever lived had this to say about himself. Maybe that puts some things into perspective about your life. When you start getting down on yourself, you remember, oh, wait, I'm in a fight. Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, verse number 18. you got to get this talking to save people. If you drink drinking from the water of life, this has, pertains to you. If you haven't drank from that water of life, you're still dead in your sins. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law. In my members, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your brain, warring against the law of my mind. You see that word right there? It's a war. What you know what the devil wants you to think? Ah, it's church. Ah, it's religion. You're in a battle. It's spiritual warfare. They had physical warfare in the Old Testament. You know what? We have spiritual warfare now. And you know what it is? What we have now is going to last a lot more. Because the, the victory and the spoils that they had in the Old Testament, they died. They didn't take it with them. The victory and the spoils you take now in this life, you take with you for eternity. That's a good war to fight, don't you think? It's a war worth fighting against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what the answer to? Because Romans chapter 7 kind of leads you in a precarious state. How do I fight this flesh that is constantly betraying me, it's constantly lying to me, it's constantly making me feel like I'm not saved, it's confusing me? What do I do? What's the answer? Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And you know what you see in Romans chapter eight? The spirit of God, the spirit of God, the spirit of God, the spirit of God, the spirit of God. God. Over and over and over again, it's mentioned. Why? Because you can't beat your flesh without God's spirit. You can't do anything to fight this flesh without the Holy Spirit of God. That's why you need his water. That's why you need the water of the the rock first before you even even had a thought of fighting Amalek. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death that was putting you in captivity, making you feel closed in and making you not feel like the Christian that you really are on the inside because God has made you a son if you believed on Jesus Christ. And your flesh is trying to say, nah, 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 don't worry about that. Don't listen to that. Just go back to sleep. No, wake up. Sober up. You're in a fight. And fight, you gotta fight your flesh. So now, uh, let's go back to... uh, Exodus 17, Exodus 17, Exodus 17. I told you to keep something there. We're going to be keep looking at it. And Moses, Exodus 17, verse 9. And Moses said unto Joshua, there he is right there. Choose us out men and go out. Fight with Amalek. You got to fight. You got to choose to fight. Tomorrow, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. You know what, G- what uh, Joshua represents in the Old Testament? Come on, you know this. He represents Jesus Christ, right? You know who you need? You need Jesus Christ to fight your battle. <laughs> and you know what he wants? He's looking for some men to fight along with him. What is that? It says, "Choose us out men." Say, "I'm just a kid, Josh. You could be a man to God.. Uh, pff, Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and uh, also 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I want you to see this. Because you have a role to play too. You have a role to play too. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, get two in your hand. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24, verse number 24. I'll wait for you guys to get there. Paul's writing, he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? When you're running a race, I ran, I ran tracks a long time ago. Don't ask me to run anymore. You're giving it your all. You know when you really give it all? You give your all at the end. You're running a race. You're running a race when you, when you get into this Christian life. And you're going to run it all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. You've got to have some self-control. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we, an incorruptible, because you get a reward for doing this, by the way. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. What are you fighting, Paul? But I keep under my body. And bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Why should you fight your flesh? So that you could show somebody else the Savior that, that bought and redeemed you. So that they can't see you and be like, hypocrite! Man, I hate that word. I hate it. I hate being a hypocrite. I can't stand it. Neither could Jesus Christ. He always called them out, the Pharisees. He called them, I mean, he gave them some dirty words. He said, Hypocrites! You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to fight your flesh so you're not a hypocrite. So you can prove the Bible. Prove all things the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians. You know what? Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. It says, choose us out men, right? I'm just a kid, right? You think, I'm just a kid. God's not worried about your age. You could be a man on the inside because you've got that new man, that inward man. You know what it means to be a man? Denying yourself. That's what being a man is. A man... I mean, look at the, the mighty man of God. Let's just read the verse before I get distracted. 1 First th- First Corinthians 13, 11, you see it. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know what you got a child does? Me, 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 me. You know what you do when you become a man? You get it into perspective. I got to think about some other people. Because you know what you have, which no one else has? The cure for death. <laughs> What about everybody else? <laughs> Don't you care? When I mean, Johnny, we're reading in discipleship a couple a couple months ago. We'll get back to it, Johnny, I promise. We were talking about in Revelation, the, the lake of fire and those people who were going to cast in. And I'm just thinking about those loved ones, those friends. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me that person that I gave that vinegar? He died a couple, a couple years later of cancer. You know that? His name was Joe Ahmed. I, rem- I think about him often because... I should have talked to Joe about the gospel, but I didn't, and I regret it every day, because I don't know where Joe Ahmed is, because he died of, of, of Hodgkin's lymphoma. He was on his way to Germany to try to get a, a, a special treatment, and it was four days before our senior year of high school. And you know what? I, I remember him dying, and us school going to was wake, all our school rallying together around it, and I just kept thinking to myself, why didn't I tell Joe? I had a chance to talk to him. Why didn't I tell Joe the gospel? I knew the gospel from when I was a little kid. You don't think someone's going to die until they're gone. (laughs) You don't know what's going to take someone's last breath. Take advantage of the time that you have now while you're young. You know, David, we read about him all the time. Pastor mentioned him last night, how he slayed Goliath when he was 17. You know what he did before he was 17? You don't know what age he was when he fought a bear and a lion. When no one was looking but God. Why don't you fight some bears? Why don't you fight some lions while you're still young, while you can? Because you don't know how long we have left. God is ready to come out of heaven. I don't know if I'm going to live to be 35. I don't know if I'm going to live to be 50. I might not live till tomorrow. Give him today. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. So you got to be a man. Think like a man. Even if you're a kid, you could be a man. You could be a man for God. He's looking for you to be a man for him. Exodus chapter 17. Let's keep on going on. Exodus 17. Exodus oh, 17 uh, <laughs> verse number 10 and I'm going to say this and we'll get there Hold on. second time Joshua shows up in the Bible watch this now Exodus 17 10 so Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek he chose to fight and Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill you know what you need to do? You need to obey. (laughs) I'm going to turn to a verse right now. And I'm not just saying this because my parents are here. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents. I know. I'm saying this. They're right there. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long in the earth. You know why God says obey your parents? Because they know more than you do. They know more than you do. They've been around a lot longer. They have more life experience. You know why God says obey your parents? Because he's trying to show you if you obey them while you're young, they're your covering. One day you're not going to have your parents. You have to obey me. I'll be your covering then. Because right now when you're young, your parents are going to be your guide. More or less, they're going to tell you, all right, you got to get up, you got to eat, you got to brush your teeth. I hope you brush your teeth this morning. You got to go, you got to take a shower. Please, someone shower. You guys are starting to stink after basketball last night. And then one day, they're not going to be there anymore. You're going to grow up, and you're going to be your own adult. And who are you going to look to for your guidance? Who are you going to look to when you need a job? (laughs) Who are you going to look to when you want to marry somebody? I needed to start looking to my God. I had to stop you know, I obey my parents and I still obey my parents, but you know what? It's supposed to lead you to obey your heavenly father. So obey when he tells you, when the book speaks, when it says, obey your parents in the Lord. When they cross that book, obey them, but the book is always going to be what you obey. Amen, amen. Exodus 17, Joshua obeyed what Moses told him to do. He fought. And uh, verse number 11, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand. Now here's, here's, I want you to get this. When Moses held up his hand, watch it now, that Israel prevailed. They were winning. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. The flesh was winning. Say, what is that a picture of? I didn't get this when I was your age. I wish I did. I didn't get this till 2016 because I'm a stunat. And I don't pay attention like I should. You know what's the difference? What's going to be your difference between victory and defeat? Your prayer life. You have to read your Bible. You have to obey your Bible. But if you don't pray, you're going to lose. I don't know how else to say it. You're going to lose. First, uh, turn with me to, um, to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Holding up hands is prayer. Yeah. Holding up your hands. Didn't we read it today? I'm telling you, that, that's, I will lift up my hands in thy name. That's psalm, man. I don't know about you. God said, this is the message I want you to preach, Josh. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, not last, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. You know, I just want to explain that to you a little bit supplications your earnest request prayers you're addressing to god whether it be an adoration confession or request supplication and prayer are often found together in the bible because they go hand in hand because you're not always just asking god because god doesn't want you just always to ask him stuff and you can you should always ask him for things but god wants you to just have to talk to him confess yourself to him that's what prayer is all about what's that next thing intercessions uh quite quite literally the mediation the interposition between parties at variance with a view of reconciliation you know i heard a preaching a couple of months ago about what is the ministry what is the ministry and I heard a lot of things that were pretty good about the ministry but you know what the bible says about the ministry you've been given the ministry of reconciliation your ministry as a christian is to get people back to god that's your ministry No matter what you're doing, that's your ministry. That's the ministry, getting people back to their God. And you know what you do when you intercede? You're getting in the middle of some people that are at variance. Because God, if you're a sinner, God's at variance with you. You're his enemy. The Bible says you are at enmity with God. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what you got to do when you pray? you start praying for your unsaved family, your unsaved loved ones, you're interceding for them. You're getting in the middle between two parties at variance so that you can reconcile the two because you don't want them to be an enemy anymore. You want them to be reconciled, brought together because otherwise the end is bad for that person. And do I have to explain a giving of thanks? Do I really have to explain that one? I will anyway. Giving of thanks. The act of rendering thanks or expressing gratitude for favors or mercies. Have you thanked God? Have you thanked God for anything today? Have you thanked God? Do you thank God? I heard a preacher say once, and I did it because I'm crazy, and I do the challenges that preachers tell me. I dare you, because I'm going to give the challenge to you, to get alone and just start thanking God for things in your life. Out loud. Thank God. And it's not going to feel good. You're going to be like, why am I doing this? I sound crazy. You know what's going to start moving? The Spirit of God is going to start moving. you to remind you. You're like, how many things could I possibly th- be thankful for? You'd be surprised Amen. how quickly God starts reminding you because that gives him glory. You, the, the purpose of the church is to give thanks, rendering thanks unto God because that's how he gets glory from us. God wants you to give thanks. It's a part of prayer. You know, it says, let's keep reading. 1 Timothy chapter 3. I just want to explain those four aspects of prayer to you. As he says... That's what you got to do, first of all. For kings, he says in verse 2, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. I'm sweating like a pig. Uh, In honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, Who will have all men to be saved? That's God's will. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, he's real, and one mediator between God and and men, the man Christ Jesus. Watch this now. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Everyone's going to see it. Every knee's going to bow. Whether you believe it now or believe it later, you're going to believe it one day. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Watch it now. I will therefore, because of that, because of what Christ did, therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You know what you do when you lift up your hand and go see my sweat stains? You're saying, God, I'm helpless. Look, I got nothing in my hands to give you. I'm just giving myself to you. I need you, God. I need you, God. God likes to hear that. God will put you in predicament so you realize that you need God because you need God. You're not here with him today without Him. And uh, you know what it says right there? It says without wrath. Don't give God your laundry list of complaints. <laughs> you can complain unto the Lord, but you know, He doesn't want your wrath. He wants you to, to realize and forgive. Don't be praying against somebody. Pray for somebody, amen? Exactly. And it says also without doubting. Amen. You can't get what... You think that God's... He's God. We're talking about God, right? The God that, you know, made the thing that we're standing on right now. He just spoke it into existence. If he's God, he can do anything. You gotta, if if a man cometh to God, he must first believe that he is. I mean, you don't get past go until you realize, oh wait, you're God. And he says, why do you doubt me? Why do you doubt what I can do for you? Why do you doubt that I won't answer your prayer? Don't doubt. Keep keep the faith. Uh, It says in, um, So it says, without wrath, I meant to read this, because it says in James 1, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And without doubting, turn with me back to Exodus chapter 17. It says, without doubting, why don't I write this verse down? Go to Exodus 17, without doubting. I wrote this verse down. I want to read it to you, because I don't know it off the top of my head. I wrote this down for some reason. Oh yeah, this is because it was what Jesus Christ told them. You, You guys go to Exodus 17. I'm just reading from you from Matthew 21. Jesus answered and said unto them in verse 21, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, because he spoke and it withered, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. You say, wow, I could pray a mountain? I could pray a mountain to the sea? You know a mountain's a kingdom, right? Right? You know, we, we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood. You know, we're wrestling against the spiritual kingdom. And if you pray without doubt, you can take down the devil's kingdom. And you can take them, you can take his, his prisoners out of his kingdom. And Jesus Christ can translate them into the kingdom of his dear son. If you doubt not, and all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. So what does Moses do? He holds up his hands. You know what happens? They win. You'll win against your flesh if you pray. Believing. But Moses' hands were heavy, the Bible says in verse 12. And they took us, watch this now, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat there on. And Aaron and Hur uh, you know, yeah. and and stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other uh, side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. When your arms grow weary and heavy from the fight, you know what you need to do? You need to sit down on the stone that never changes. You need to go back to the promises that God told you, you know, I, I'm starting to, you're starting to waver in your faith, you're starting to waver in your prayer, you know what you got to do, you got to sit down, remember that you're seated in heavenly places, remember who you are in Jesus Christ, remember the promises that he gave you, uh, the Bible says in Luke chapter 10, I don't know why I have some of these written down, I wrote these down, in Luke chapter 10, verse number 38, now I can't, oh, here's why. Martha and Mary. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and you got to sit down and heard his word because this never changes. This is that rock that's never going to change. Just like Jesus Christ, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Amen. You know what God wants from you? Spend time with Him. That's the goal of this camp. Be with Jesus. That's the goal of your Christian life. Be with Him. That's what He wants. He's not trying to get anything else. He just wants to be with you. That's an amazing thing. Don't get over that. That's what's needful. You spend time with him, you know what's going to happen? Everything flows from that. Your walk, your your fellowship with your brothers and sisters, your job, your life, uh, You know everything that comes from your life, it's going to come from just spending time with him. That's the one thing that's needful. When you get weary, you got to just sit back down on that. Just start spending time with him. Sit down on that stone that was removed. Amen, amen. Uh, Exodus 17. Exodus 17. Uh, oh, I have some verses here. Uh, that stone, right? Here, here's a couple that maybe that you can, that you can sit on. right? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. Can you sit on that? Can you sit on that verse? Can that hold you up a little bit? What about Hebrews 13, 5, the end of that verse, it says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee." Can you sit on that? Can you rest on that promise when you start growing weary in your fight? What about Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, when Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Can you rest on that? Can you sit on that? Can you, can you just take some rest and some, and some grace from Jesus Christ? And, and maybe, here's the next part, they held up his hands too, right? Because you can't do this alone. Amen. Amen. Not only do you need Jesus Christ, you need your brothers and sisters. You are not meant to fight the Christian life alone. It's not supposed to be a lone ranger. The body of Christ is purposed so that we can help one another, serve one another, love one another. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 2, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What was that law? The only thing Jesus Christ told his disciples. John chapter 13, it says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, even as I have loved you, so love one another. Uh, one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to hold each other up in prayer. Because when you start to fall, or when I start to fall, I need someone to pray for me. I need to pray for you. That's what happens when you start growing in the Lord. You start realizing, I can't just think about myself. What about them? And you hold each other up. And you know what you get? You get that tight knit, knit together in love. You know that tabernacle was put together with a bunch of different fibers, but instead it, it was knit together and it became one tabernacle. And God says, I want you to be knit together in love so that you can be one body, one church, so that nothing can take you apart and no enemy can, can prevail against you so you can stand in the evil day because we need help. I need your prayers. I know one saint, he's in Mexico right now, he prayed for me. I thank God for him because I needed those prayers. And I'm here today because someone else prayed for me. And you know what I'm trying to do now? I'm trying to pray for you because you need to stand so that you can help somebody else one day. That's what it's all about. Galatians, Exodus 17. We're almost done, almost done. Exodus 17, 12. Now, if that's too much for you, maybe this will give you some relief. The, The end of that verse, right? And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Can I tell you, you only have to fight Amalek. You only have to fight your flesh today. One day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the next three weeks. Don't worry about five years from now. You have to worry about today. You fight today, to the going down of the sun, till you rest your head on your pillow at night and you go to sleep. That's when you can rest because you only have to fight him while you're walking around while you're still alive, while I'm still, during the day. Jesus said, right, uh, I, I had to go during, I, I work my, uh, my works during the day because when the, the night cometh when no man can work, you work during the day. You fight the flesh during the day. The Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Fight the evil that you have to fight. Fight your flesh today. Until the going down of the sun. You just have to fight it today. Psalm, Psalm 113, verse 3 says, From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. You know when you have to praise the Lord's name? Today. Because you don't have yesterday anymore. Yesterday's gone. So forget it. The Bible says in the, in the book of Philippians, forgetting those things which are behind. We're going to read that tomorrow morning, God willing. Forgetting those things that are behind, you have to worry about today. Praise the Lord today. Give him gr- uh, thanks today. Give him your life today. The Bible says in uh, Psalm chapter, uh, no, nowhere. James chapter four. Uh, you don't have to turn there. James chapter four. Say, so why do I have to do it today? Why today? Because you're not promised tomorrow. So you have to do it today. James chapter four. Verse uh, 14, you don't have to turn there. The Bible says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? That's a great question. What is your life? You know, we saw this morning, we saw the fog wrestling on the thing. Maybe this will give you a little perspective of what your life is. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I blinked and I was in your seats, and now I'm 25 and married. Life goes quickly. I'm sure the people that are a little bit older than me can tell you even more so. Because as you get older, it just goes quicker. Your life is precious. Your life is short. You only have so much time to live for God. Whether you die or whether he comes to get us soon, you only have so much time. So you have to give him today. Fight Amalek. Fight your flesh today. Uh, Bible says in Psalm chapter 90, verse number 12. So this is a prayer of Moses. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know, as of today, June 24th, 2022, I have been alive for 9,195 days. It's probably the only thing some of you guys are going to remember. How many of those have been living to myself or fighting my flesh? I don't know. How many more days do I have left? It doesn't seem like a lot when you put it into a couple days. 9,000 days, I didn't even reach 10,000 yet. 9,000 days, not a long time. How many days have we wasted for ourselves? You know what I hate? I hate that I started walking with God when I was 19. Because I should have started walking when I was 12, when I was 13. Because when I when I, I see some of you guys and I'm envious of you, envious, jealous, not envious. I'm jealous of you because you guys are memorizing the Bible. You're getting the scriptures in your heart. And I thought light of it when I was young because I didn't really grasp a hold of the thing until I was 19 years old. You know what I want to tell you? Don't waste your time. Get it now. I wish I had some of those verses and I try now to to make up some time that I didn't. I'm trying to redeem the time. But you know what? I wish I did it then. That's why we're doing this camp. That's why I'm preaching to you. That's why I want you to know, don't waste your time. Use your time that you have now. Use today. Get this book in you because there's coming a day where you're going to stand in the evil day. It's either you're going to stand or you're going to fall. What's it going to be? You have more preparation as a young person than any of us in the, I mean, I'm one of you, than any of the older people in this room because they got saved later in life. My dad didn't get saved until he was in his 30s, late 30s. Old man. (laughs) But if you got saved when you were five like I did, whew, that's a lot of time I wasted living for myself. When I could have been sowing to the Spirit and reaping some life everlasting. Some, maybe I would have spoken to Joe. <laughs> maybe I would have been a little bit more faithful. And I think about a lot of the times when I go to sleep at night, the friends that I, I'm never going to see again that I met in high school. Because I know you guys walking through the public school system and it's trash and it's a, a swamp. It's only gotten worse since I've left and I feel bad for you guys. But you can stand. That's all God wants you to do is just stand for him. So what's different about you? I read the Bible. I pray. I go to church. I love Jesus Christ. That's it. Amen. That's it. That's all you got to do. You just got to stand for him. Whether they mock you or not, you know what? Someone might take notice. Can you imagine the eternal weight of glory from one soul getting saved from your testimony? I got, God, God you guys know Phil, right? <laughs> I love Phil. Phil got saved after 2016, an October camp. Because I was so burdened, not because of anything that I did, but I prayed. I was like, God, I can't let this kid go to hell. I I have to tell him the truth. I have to tell him the gospel. And you know what I did? I just told him the truth. And you know what he did? He received it. You don't know who's going to receive it and who's not. So just stand for God. That's all he's asking. Fight your flesh. Fight Amalek. You got to do it today. Uh, Exodus 17, we're almost done. Exodus 17, verse 13. Prayer is important. But you know what's going to fight the fight? The Bible says in Exodus 17, verse 13, and Joshua discomfited Amalek. Discomfited means defeated, scattered in the fight, caused to flee. He vanquished Amalek. He put down the flesh and his people with what? With the edge of the sword. You can't... Listen, prayer's great. I missed out on prayer. I tried reading my Bible when I was younger, and I didn't know I should have been praying. That was what really... Because I got pretty far, too. I got maybe like to like numbers something. And then I was like, I can't... I don't understand what's going on because I wasn't praying. But you know what you need? You need the book. If you want to fight and you want to beat Amalek, you need the sword in you. Because Joshua, Jesus Christ living inside you, his spirit needs the word to fight off the flesh how are you so, you don't just magically absorb the information you got to get in yourself and get the sword man the bible says in ephesians chapter uh ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 talking about the armor of god and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and hebrews chapter uh four verse 12 says the word of god is quick and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, dividing in sunder uh, even soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. I think I got that right. You need the sword of the spirit. You know David, when he turn with me, I want you to see this. Actually, turn with me to First Samuel chapter seventeen. I want you to see this. We talk about David a lot. Listen, you need you need the stone. You need a couple. You need some smooth stones. You need some things that have been tried. You need some verses to knock out those giants in your life. I get it. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's take it up at verse 48. We're almost done. We're almost done. 1 Samuel 17, verse 48. When you get there, say amen. amen. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose, he's fighting Goliath, and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. What a man. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. And we can stop right there and say, Amen! Bam! He took out, what a shot. Took out the giant right in the forehead, fell flat in his face. You get a verse... You get some verses, you're dealing with pride, you're dealing with anger, you're dealing with lust. You take some verses, you can knock out that giant. But if you want to vanquish Amalek, you want to put that giant down for good, you need the sword. The Bible says in the next verse, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheet thereof and slew him. You know what he wanted? He said, I don't want this guy to come back up and bother me again. So he took the sword and cut off his head. You want to deal with Amalek? You don't need just a couple verses. You need the whole book. You need the whole word of God, the whole counsel of God. All of the Spirit of God, uh, the sword of the Spirit, to take down. Not just a couple verses. Those are gonna help. Those are maybe able to knock it down, but those guys might come back up. You wanna take it down for good. You need the principles, you need the doctrines, you need you need examples in the Bible, you need verses that you've that you've tried and you've proven yourself. You need to understand the whole picture of God to take that sword and put it down for good. So he doesn't get back up. Exodus 17. Exodus 17. We're wrapping it up right here. Exodus 17. Verse 14. Listen, it's a lot, right? <laughs> Fighting the flesh is not easy. It's somebody, something that you're going to do. We read it in the first thing. It's the first thing that pops up. We read in the last chap- verse of this chapter. It's going to be something that happens from generation to generation. You're going to have to fight the flesh like our parents fought the flesh. You have to fight. It's either you're going to fight or you're going to fall down and, and die. It's one or the other. But you know what? Can I give you some comfort? In verse number 14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. He wants them to remember this. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. One day. The fight is over! We don't have to fight the flesh one day! Fight it now, knowing, rehearse it, remember this, One day, he's going to put that flesh down for good. Amalek is not going to be fighting you no more. That's a blessing. That's something that you can look forward to. It might be tomorrow. It might be today. All you're waiting for is that trumpet to sound, man. It would be great just to lift up right now. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You got to get this, man. 1 Corinthians 15. It's not in vain. It's not in vain you got an end goal in mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 51. Paul wanted the Corinthian church to know this. He wants you to know this. Behold, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Maybe not all of us are going to die. Listen, young people. I'm just saying," it says I'm going to fight Amalek from generation to generation. One day there's going to be a last generation. It looks like it's going to be us. I'm just saying. I'm just look at God's timeline. Look at where Israel is. Look at what's happening to the world. You don't think it's going to happen in the next couple of years? Amen. The next couple of decades? I, Amen. I think it's this decade. I'm, just, I'm not going to give you any, any any dates because that that's unbiblical. But it might be in our lifetime. We might never taste death. That's an amazing thing. I don't want to die. I want to just go up, man. It says, We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed one day or another in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed, because those people who are already dead, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, those are the people already in the grave, and this mortal must put on immortality, that's you and me. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory, O oh, death. Where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, one day, Amalek's gone. Your flesh is going to be changed. The Bible says in the book of Philippians, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. You're not going to have to worry about sweating like a pig. You're not going to have to worry about you know, having bowel issues, you're going to have a body like Jesus Christ where you could fly, you can walk through walls, you can eat things without having to worry about it. Amen. So I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. You're going to have a body that lives forever and it's not going to fight you anymore because there's not going to be any more sin in it. No more sin. That's an amazing promise. I hope that you're excited for when that day comes and I hope you take these things to to heart that you will pick up the sword and fight the fight with me because I want to fight Amalek while I can. I want you guys to get all you can from what God wants from you, right? I I want you guys to have all that God would want for you because your lives are precious. God has a special desire for your life. You're going to touch people that I'll never touch. You're going to meet people, kids, friends, loved ones that I'll never know, and I'll pray for them, but that's the point. We're fighting the good fight for the sake of those other people, that they might be able to partake of what we have. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you for your word. Father God, I just pray that some of those things stuck, Lord. I pray that you might have gotten the glory. Father God, I pray that you might just encourage some of us, Lord, to just continue to fight our flesh.